Well, yeah, God bless you today. Thank you. Thanks a lot for your, uh, your warm welcome and your faithful support to New Brothers Fellowship. We need to pray here because I need the Holy Spirit. But the message that the Lord has given me today is very simple. It's Missions Month, and so I wanted to share about uh, my, our entrance into missions, but uh, specifically focusing on, we're going to just kind of examine the call to missions, examine the call to be a missionary. We're going to look at uh, really just two verses. Everything I'm going to share with you today is going to come out of two verses, and um, I pray that it would stir you. I pray that it would speak to you. And I'll trust that that'll happen because the Holy Spirit's the one who does that, not me. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just love you right now. With great thanksgiving, we come just uh, in awe, in awe of the work of your Spirit. Lord, you came today. You ministered. You're here now. Your presence. Your presence. Treasure the presence of God, brothers and sisters. Treasure it. He's, he's in you. He's with you. We come to church and, and God meets us here, but the, God is in us. He's in us. He's with you. Treasure that presence. Know that you can seek him anywhere you are because he's in you. He dwells in you. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we come together as living stones. Father, thank you for this, for the privilege. And I was just in, in awe of you today, Lord God, as you moved you stirred us to worship and exalt you. Thank you, Father. I pray that the things that were done in that time would be sealed by the work of your Spirit. You ministered to people this morning. I believe that. And so I ask you, Father, to just continue that ministry now. Let your anointing be upon us all. Let your anointing be upon me as a vessel sanctified unto honor. Put words. Fill me with your word, Lord God. And let your word come forth with a demonstration of spirit and power not in uh, style or volume, but with genuine kingdom power, the power of God that saves, the power of God that delivers, the power of God that ministers the life of Christ to every need, regardless of how dark or desperate. So God used that to bring me to himself, thank God. But I immediately gave my instrument to him, so I'm sharing that simply to say that my instrument belonged to the Lord and and, uh, you know, I began to lead worship. I'd never played keyboard before, and I just started playing, and the Holy Spirit helped me learn that. And so I, I, things kind of came to a head where I would entered into a relationship with some musicians that were just a wonderful people. I, I, I know them all still, and, man, God was doing great things. And then, uh, then I got laid off from Verizon. I worked for Verizon and IT, and I'm saying, oh, God, I just want to serve you, you know. And I got laid off. And so I thought, well, this is it. I had this little worship band, and we were going right, we to serve God with our music. Well, uh, in the midst of all of this, uh, we went to church one day. I'm sharing when, when it was that God uh, kind of called us to be a missionary or called me to be a missionary. And Pastor Ernie Cardula, we were going to church at uh, the Assembly of God in Exeter, New Hampshire. Does anyone know Pastor Ernie? Anyone ever been to Exeter Assembly? All these mass people, okay. Yeah, we don't, we don't. You stay on your side of the tracks, people. Uh, but Pastor Ernie was preaching about, you know, he was kind of ministering a missions message, and 
He, he was being very rhetorical in this statement, but he, was, he, he boldly proclaims, and he says, how many of you, right? So here I'm laid off, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm just ready, right? I'm ready. And he says, how many of you are ready to just sell everything and move to Africa or go anywhere the Lord sends you? And I literally just shot my hand up and I said, me, I'm ready. And my wife was surprised. Uh, so I didn't know what that was going to mean, but I was ready. I was just demonstrating, right? That's how it works sometimes for the Lord. I was just demonstrating my readiness, my willingness. So now the worship band gets this opportunity. I meet Chaplain Ray Perez. I know some of you know Ray Perez. Come on, help me out, right? Some of you know Ray Perez. All right. So I, I meet Chaplain Ray Perez, and pa- Chaplain says, well, why don't you come into the jail? So uh, remember, I'm on a track now. I've got a vision. I'm going to be a worship, right? I'm not going to be a worship leader per se. I am a worship leader. But it's, you know, God's got this thing. He's brought these people together. We're playing and doing da-da-da-da-da. And it's going to be great. So we go and we minister in the jail. And by the time I walk out of the jail, the Lord has said to my, in my heart, he says, sorry. He says, you're not going to do that. You're going to do this. And so I offered myself to Ray Perez and I said, I'm not doing anything right now. I would like to just serve you and do anything I can. Within a year after serving as assistant chaplain, his assistant, uh, Caroline and I began to realize that the men who were in the facility were worshiping God with these men and uh, powerful things are happening in their lives. But after they left, we never saw them again. And that was very troubling for us. And so Ray Perez brought to us this little, these two sheets of paper that had New, New Brothers Fellowship on it and said, hey, we've had this vision for this ministry, but I, you know, I, I, Ray, if you know Ray, you know that Ray stretched himself thin as it was. The guy just lives on the edge, all right? The guy just pushes himself uh, to the extreme. And so he was already as thin as he could be. And he says, this needs someone to take it and live it out and, and walk with it. And so we prayed, and the God called us to be missionaries. So we've been doing this for 18 years, going into prisons, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, supporting men after their release. Our call and our purpose is to make disciples. It's a discipleship ministry. It's not a supply ministry. It's a, a, a spiritual support ministry. It's supporting men and believing God to, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ and Christ's likeness, to, to bring men into maturity, right? The scripture you hear me quoted all the time, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what God has put within my heart for New Brothers Fellowship and for me just as an individual, as a minister now, that's what drives me. That's what animates me, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If you and I are going to sit down and talk, that's what's going to be on my mind. Where, how far are you from the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? And of course, where is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? It's unattainable, right? Because Paul said, I haven't attained it yet. But forgetting those things that are behind, I'm pressing on toward the high, mark, toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, right? That's what this is all about. That's what this church is about. It's about pressing in to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I pray that you would be stirred today to press into that to not be complacent, to, to be excited about what God is doing. So in the book of Acts, we see 
I'm ex- we're examining this call to missions. And in the book of Acts, we have the Apostle Paul. Paul was a, a, a man who was called by God, chosen by God. Uh, he is given a revelation, and then he, is, uh, he suffers as a result of the revelation. So we're going to go to the book of Acts. Let's go there together. And we're going to use the Apostle Paul as a means of examining uh, the call to missions. All right? Acts chapter 9, 15 and 16. So everything that I'm going to share with you today, I have experienced. But I would also say to you that everything I'm going to share to you, with you today, the Lord is bringing back in front of me and, and, and saying, I want to search you with the very thing that I'm, that I'm sharing with you today. I want, the Lord wants to, to prove me. And the Lord wants to prove us. <clears throat> proving by God is a gift. It's the sanctifying work of God. You can't despise the proving. The scripture says all temptation is common to man, but God is faithful. And why does God tempt us? Why, why, God doesn't tempt us, but why is temptation even exist? Why didn't God just eliminate the, the ability to be tempted when we got saved? Why didn't he just get rid of it? He could have, right? He could have created another structure. But the scripture says that in the wisdom of God, and he, he subjected everything to futility. And we're, we're in this place of pressure. We're in a place of pressure where everything is tested and proven. And so we suffer and difficulty comes and hardship comes. Sometimes it's from our own stupid choices. And other times it's just from completely random places. That coworker who just drives you nuts. Or you have marital issues. Or you have, uh, you know, you're, you have a calling on your life and you're wrestling with that calling. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Sometimes it's a substance or an idol in your life. It really just doesn't matter. The point is, God is saying, I want to reveal myself to you. So you're in the pressure and the pressure is proving you. You need to fall in love with pressure. I'm done. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right, let's read Acts chapter 9. Paul is a man who comes into pressure, right? He's in incredible tension here. Here's a man who is heading so boldly in one direction and in a moment God interrupts his life and says, guess what? You're going in a new direction. I got your number. The Lord, right? Jesus says, I've got your number. Look, at you're kicking against me, and I've got your number, and I'm going to do something with you. And the Lord wants to say that to you today. I'm going to do something with you. Every single one of us, by the time we're done today, should be renewed in the call of God on our lives. No one's exempt. Amen? Okay, here it is. I know I keep saying we're going to read the Scripture. We are going to read it. There are three things, four, kind of three, three and a half things we're going to extract from this. Let's read it here. Now, this is, uh, Paul has already fallen off his horse. He's had this, uh, I'm not going to read it to you. I'm going to try to keep things together. Paul, he falls to the ground. Why are you persecuting me? And he goes blind. And now he's sitting in a room by himself, right? He's just, his world obviously has been completely turned upside down. And then the Lord comes to this man, Ananias. He's a believer. He's a, you know, a a good man, obviously, a righteous man. And the Holy Spirit says to him, it says, hey, I want you to get up. I want you to go speak to this man, Paul. And Ananias wrestles with this. And he says, hey, Lord, I've heard uh, from many about this man, how he uh, puts people in prison. You know, he binds all those who call on your name. That's verse 14. Let's read together verse 15 and 16. But the Lord said to Ananias, the Lord said to him, Go, go, for he is a chosen instrument or chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much, uh, how, how much he must suffer 
for my name's sake. Let me read it to you one more time. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So like I said, I've extracted fundamentally three things out of this. The first, there's, there's a combination of two in the beginning. And I just want to examine these and share them with you so that we can understand that we're all in this. No one, the Apostle Paul was called by God, but as soon as you were, before you were saved, the scripture says you were called by God, right? You, you have a call on your life. And you need to figure out what that is, and you need to enter into that. I'm going to pray again. I pray often when I preach because I need redirection. I need, I need focus. So just pray with me. Father, help me now as we share these points. Without shame, we just simply call on you, asking for clarity, clarity of sight, clarity of, of, of hearing. Give clarity of hearing. And, and let your word in, go into places in our hearts, Father, that maybe will surprise us today. I thank you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the first thing that the Lord says to Paul, or, you know, through Ananias, he says, now, this man is a chosen vessel of mine, a chosen vessel. The word chosen means divinely selected. That's just the simple definition, divinely selected. Have you considered that you're divinely selected? That your salvation is... It has an eternal component to it and that God looked and, and sees you. And when he saved you, he was at work. He had a vision of you. He divinely chose you. That should, that should affect you. That should just dramatically turn your world upside down. That you were divinely chosen, selected by God for, with purpose. That should seriously turn your life upside down. It should affect you. And so when we think about the Apostle Paul and we think about the examining the call to missions, this is where it begins. He is my divine vessel, my chosen vessel. A vessel has no will or right of its own. An instrument, right? I play an instrument. The instrument can do nothing of itself. It needs someone to animate it. Amen? So we need to get our perspective. Let's get our place. Here we have the heavenly, the creator, choosing us as a vessel because he wants to use us. And everything that will be used by him through us is coming from him, right? So we are vessels that have been sanctified. So uh, Paul is divinely chosen. And then this is why he was chosen. I'll try to keep it just simple and short because that's how the Lord gave it to me. All right. This is why he was chosen. He was chosen to bear the Lord's name. He was chosen to bear the Lord's name. Now, the word bear means to raise up, right? To raise up, to bear, to carry in the hands or about the person or to carry as a message. So Paul is chosen to bear the name. And let me give you that. The name has some components to it that I want you to latch on to. It's uh, in the New Testament. This is as as a representative of a person. So Paul is a representative of the person of Jesus Christ. It is also the name of the author of a commission or a delegated authority. And it is finally on the score of being a possessor of a certain character. The possessor of a certain character. So here we have, we're vessels that are given, that are called to bear the name of Christ. 
and we're called to bear his name in his image. I'm, I'm asking the Lord to help me put this together for you because it's essential to be a missionary. And, and in the Christian life and to be a missionary, you can't be sent out. You can't go forth unless you're truly bearing the image of the one who has sent you. We have, uh, we have the divine selection. The selection brings with it the authority necessary to accomplish that which God wants to do through you. You, Paul has an authority. When, when God called Paul here, right, he says, he's my chosen vessel. We need to understand that, that the things that Paul was going to do and the things that Paul was going to receive, they were vast. They were tremendous. They were, I mean, they were, look at, look at the book. They were tremendous, the things that God was going to use Paul for. But if Paul didn't have the authority, if Paul didn't have the encounter, if Paul hadn't encountered the image, the person of Jesus, you see, you don't just say, you know what, I'm going to go bring the name of Jesus to someone. No, there's an, an, an impartation or a giving of authority, a commission, and that's essential. You don't want to go forth without the authority that you need. And, and you should wait on God for that. When, when Ananias showed up and he prayed for him and the scales fell off his eyes, something simple but, but it, eternal happened in that moment where, where the scales fall off the eyes and, and it says that uh, he is uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, right? He says he's going to, he, after laying hands on him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me to you that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. A missionary is filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to go ahead and interject this now. Everywhere that God has placed you is your mission. Because I'm sharing you on missions week or missions month, right? This is a missions message. But if you're a husband, you have a mission. If you're a wife, you have a mission. If you're an employee or an employer, you have a mission. It doesn't matter where God has placed you, you have a mission. And the same things that we're sharing here today are required. We're mandated by God to seek after these things. You see, the problem with the Christian life is that we can feel very insignificant when, in fact, we are extremely significant. And that distance, the gap between our understanding of significance and the reality of our significance is, for most of us, very far. So we find it very easy to come and sit in the pew, right? We come to church, we sit in the pew, we worship God, and then we go out and we do our business. Not understanding the significance of what happened to us here and the responsibility with what we carry, right? We're bearing the image. What do we bring out of this place into the places that we've been sent, into the places we've been commissioned? Can you see how grand that is? Do you see how grand that is? And are you going to respond? Because everything that Paul went through in his life... Paul brought about dramatic change, not because God had said, uh, I guess I want to be careful as I say this, but not necessarily because God had said, hey, that Paul guy, right? Wow, what a guy. I'm going to just, this guy's astonishing. He's the perfect one. No, the scripture says God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Base things, lowly things, things that are nothing. To confound the things that are. So, guess what? Hey, here I'm at, right? I'm sitting there fumbling through this message, amen? What am I doing here? Because God chose the foolish things. Because you don't know my story, but I'm a foolish man. I'm a lawless man. I'm a rebellious man. I'm a stubborn man. I'm a stiff-necked man. You don't want to know my story. 
But hopefully you won't, you know, anyways. <laughs> but all I'm trying to say is we're all in good company, amen? amen? Hey, we should be excited. We should be excited that we're chosen. We should be excited that we're chosen in this place. Because that's where Paul, Paul was killing people. Paul was throwing us into prison, right? If Paul had been here now, we'd be in jail. <laughs> he'd come into the house, he'd come in here, he'd say, hey, you worshipers, I'm taking you all to jail. And the Lord says, not anymore, you're not. Now I've anointed you. Now I've given you authority. Now I've commissioned you. Now I've filled you. Now I'm going to send you forth. And the very name that you were persecuting, I'm going to put it within you. You're going to be an image bearer. You're going to be so changed by, by the meeting, the encounter that you've had with me, that you're going to bear my image. It's not just bearing a name. It's bearing the person of Jesus. That's why you have to be committed to Christ's likeness. The scripture says, whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Not just to be a carrier of some good news. You know, you, uh, I've been to New York City a couple times. And everywhere in New York City you go, there are people handing out flyers, right? That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is not just handing out flyers. Or even handing out tracts. I have no issue handing out tracts. But if you're handing out tracts, you better know who you are. And you better see the value of every piece of paper you hand out. You see, it's about vision. Paul was called with a vision by God. And he laid hold of that vision. The name and the image that Paul bore was from the source himself, the head which is Christ. It was not a religious structure or a man-made emotional event. No, it had the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit, according to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, 18, 19, what does it say? The Spirit of the Lord was upon me, is upon me, because He's anointed me to preach, to proclaim. That was the anointing that Paul was given. Without Christ's image in us, the meaning, meaning the genuine formation of Christ's nature and character through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, there can be no bearing of His name. This position must remain in place and must remain preeminent, not secondary. Let me say this again, just try to get it out quickly. If you're going to bear the name, your encounter, right? Paul had a radical encounter. But Paul remained in the radicalness of his encounter. Paul had an encounter like that, you know, not necessarily in form or experience, but he had an encounter with Jesus every day that he lived. Paul lived an encountered life. That searches me. That proves me. Because even in ministry, brothers and sisters, I hate to tell you, it's real easy to just go do your thing. Right? I've had people tell me who love me and say, you can do this. You know what, you've been discipling so long, you could, decide, you could just open your mouth, and, and it's true. I'll just, I'll quote, I can tell you scriptures after scripture. I'll tell you all about spirit, Christian maturity, spiritual maturity. I've got no problem with it, I'll do it all day long. But have I had an encounter? Is what I'm saying to the people that God has called me to serve, is it because I've been filled? You understand? So let's let that thought take us into the next section here, okay? Paul lived an encountered life. Okay, the next thing that happens is um, Paul has a revelation 
So that's point number one, right? That, that we're, we're chosen. We're chosen vessels that are called to bear the image or bear the name. The second point is that we have a revelation from God for those that, are, that we're sent to serve. And this is probably one of the most challenging or important points because it just runs so deep, right? I've talked to you. I've already said to you earlier in my notes, I said to you, Everywhere God has placed us, we're, we're chosen to be there. You're, you, you're, you're married, you're chosen to be a husband. You're married, you're chosen to be a wife. You're an employee, you're chosen. You understand everywhere you are, you've been chosen by God. We would do well to refresh ourselves as a church, not, as, not new life, but as a church, the church of Jesus Christ, to refresh ourselves in the reality of the call to exist. You exist by call. You're not segregated. You don't have some little segregated place where Jesus is your calling. Your whole being. What does it say? Present yourself as what? A living sacrifice. Holy. Set apart unto God. Is a, a holy and acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable response. This is your reasonable response to exist in the service as a vessel to the king. My goodness. Wow. But now we get to this, now we're getting into the specifics of the call, right? Because he says, I call Paul to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. A missionary cannot be driven by the needs of those that they're sent to serve. What do you mean? I mean, a missionary cannot be driven by the needs of the ones they're called to serve. Do you know how many needy people are out in the community? Do you know how many needy people are in the church? Your ministry, your service cannot be driven by the need itself. Why can't the ministry that you're called to be driven by the need itself? Because the need will overtake you and overweigh you and bring you down. It will drag you down. You can't sustain ministry on the need alone because the need never ends. It's got to be given, my, my, the mission must be animated by the Spirit of God given, having been given to me by God in vision. Paul had a vision, and I'm about to share with you some of those examples. So, uh, it, uh, 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 the need will not sustain itself. It will suffer, listen to me, it will suffer from frequent powerlessness and wearinessness because it will not be of faith and the supply will not be from the Holy Spirit. I have lived that out many times. I just keep, right, I'm telling you, there's a grind. Why do we use that phrase, right? Man, I'm just in the grind. Now, a minister, you know, people will never tell, you know, ministers generally as a rule, they don't, they're not as honest as I am, but. But you know the conviction when you're serving somebody and the life starts to wane 
And it's not that you don't love the person. It's not that you don't care. But there's an absence. Some, there's a disconnect. And the distance gets greater and greater. And you get drier and drier. And, you know, like I said, the more you've been doing it, the more, right, the more you can kind of sustain. You can keep that going. But Paul, as we said, he lived in a divine encounter, a consistent and continued encounter with the revelation that God gave him for the people he had been sent. And so, therefore, he walked in a place of power. He walked in a place of power where most of us, Doug, would crumble. <laughs> All right, we're going to look at this in a moment. How are we doing? I'm not thinking about time too much. Okay, so we must be driven by the vision God has given us of Christ's life at work in the people. You see, when you're, no matter whether you're a husband or a wife, no matter whether you're an employer or an employee, no matter whether you're a student or a, 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 an actual missionary. It doesn't matter. You see, you, we, you and I are obligated to spend time getting a vision of the ministry, the service we've been called to. Do you have a vision of your wife, husband? Do you have a spiritual vision of your wife? Has it come from God? Has God showed you who your wife is in Christ? Husbands, has God showed you who your wives are in Christ? And are you... Are you are you animated? Does that animate you? In, in, what's your, in your relationship, does, it, does the vision that God have animate what you do no matter where you go? You can see how broad this is, right? Because now suddenly we're all right. I got, I got good, good news and bad news for you. You're called and you're a missionary. I'm just telling you, we're all leaving the place. Called and, and, and serving, okay? It's getting real. Especially in this day, in this hour. Amen? Especially in this day, in this hour. Hey, you, you, you want to change the world? Why not now? Why not 2022 November? Why not become a missionary? Why not, why not let God totally transform your perspective on yourself? And go boldly. So here's some examples. Okay? This is, uh, so God puts something within us by the Spirit. There's specific things. And it's heavenly information used to set the course and vision of the work. What Paul got from God, he didn't get from anywhere else. All right? Uh, so let's, let's hear some examples of what the, what the Apostle Paul says. I'm going to read some scriptures to you. First, I'm in Acts 26. You don't have to turn there. Acts 26, 15 to 18. Acts 26, 15 to 18. This is Paul giving his account of what happened uh, on the road of Damascus. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness. A minister and a witness, amen? Not only to the things which you have seen. So Paul saw some stuff in that moment, amen? We don't know that. We don't know the specifics of that, but we know that Paul says, hey, I've seen things that no man has seen. Uh, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles, 
to whom I'm sending you, right? The Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, and they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those that have been sanctified by faith in me. If you took those words to any Jew in that time, right? The majority of the Jews... At that time, if you took that language to a Jew and said, uh, hey, this is, what, this is what's going to happen. Okay, I just want to let you know, uh, the Gentiles are going to start getting saved, right? The Gentiles, God, God has, has called them, they're no longer unclean, now they're clean. And the Holy Spirit's going to get poured out on them, and God's going to start saving people all around the world. The whole world's going to be saved. You wouldn't believe it. The Jew would look at you and say, you're out of your mind. That's just nuts. But you see, God showed Paul. And I want to bring that right back to home. Because some of you, you're looking at your wife or your husband and you're saying, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I'm sorry, I don't see it. That's impossible. It's not going to happen. But if the Lord opened your eyes because you sought him, you spent time in his presence, and you sought him and he showed you, you'd be like, whoa. Faith would start to rise up in your heart. You'd be like, wow, that's crazy. God, you can do this? And he'd be like, yeah, I've been waiting. (laughs) I'm just waiting, waiting for you to engage. So let's read another one. I say then, this is out of Romans 11. Uh, Yeah, yeah, we're all right. Uh, This is out of Romans 11, uh, verses 11 to 18. I say then... Did, they did not all stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. Now, Paul's talking about the Gentiles. Okay? But by, or he's comparing Israel and, and, the, and the, 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 the Gentiles. Okay? He's comparing the two. I want you to listen for the revelation. I want you to listen for the depth of the revelation. As I read these scriptures, please don't just tune out. I know how hard it is when you're pre, when someone's ministering up here to, to stay in step with the scripture, but you really need to let the word in. So what I'm reading to you, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to show you. If you need to go in your Bible to Romans 11, 11 to 18, do that because what is being said here is, is vital. It's not just another, you know, an, oh, 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 he read the scripture that he said, no, you need to hear it. All right. So, uh, But by, so Paul is saying, Israel's transgression, by its transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Remember, the Lord had said, you're going to bear my name to the Gentiles. That's the entire world that is, that is not Jewish. Okay. That's pretty big. That's a pretty big call. Amen. (laughs) We're talking about some serious numbers there. Uh, but, uh, so by their transgression has come to the Gentiles, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make the Jew jealous, Israel jealous. Now, if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? But I'm speaking now to you who are Gentiles. Inasmuch them as I, as, as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. For if the rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? 
If the first place, uh, if the, if the, I'm sorry, if the first piece of dough is holy, meaning Israel, the lump also is holy. And if the root is holy, the branches are too. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, Gentile, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and have become partakers with them of the rich root of the olive tree, don't be arrogant toward the branches. But if you're arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. Now, I'm not trying to teach you that. I'm trying to show you the depth of the revelation that God gave Paul. I, I don't, my goal here is not to teach this verse to you. I want you to see the scope of what God can give you as it pertains to your calling. Think about, Paul's said incredible things here. Eternal, incredible things about us, not, right? Non-Jews. I mean, this is amazing. Verse, this is Romans 15. Concerning you, my brethren, myself, I'm also convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. But I've written uh, very bodily, very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again. Listen, because of the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, So that my offering of the Gentiles would become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in power and signs and wonders, in the power of the Holy Spirit from Jerusalem round about as far as I, uh, I, I, uh, or whatever it is, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to share one more with you. I'm going to read it quickly. But again, I want you to I'm asking you, please, may the Holy Spirit help you make a connection. Yes, I'm reading to you what Paul heard, but I'm asking you to hear and seek after God for what you need to hear. Because the depth of this revelation is what drove Paul. Paul didn't go forth because he said, oh, those poor Gentiles, they need Jesus. Boy, they just need Jesus. Those Gentiles, they're so sad, they're worshiping idols, they need Jesus. You see how complete and, and, and deep Paul's revelation of the call that he had on his life? He was animated by something far more than just the need of the lost Gentiles, brothers and sisters. And you need to be the same. You need to be the same. And if you don't have a vision or you don't care if you have a vision, you need to repent. This is the last one, this great revelation that Paul gave, uh, that the Holy Spirit gave Paul in Ephesians 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, uh, Jesus, for the sake of the Gentiles. If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, By referring to this, when you read, you can understand the insight into the mystery of Christ. Do you have insight into mysteries? Do you know that the reason the struggle you're having is a mystery is because you don't have insight? You need insight. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, The Spirit searches all things. Yea, the deep things of God. 
You see, we have access to everything we need, brothers and sisters. It's not a, it's not a lack from God's side. It's a lack from, this, it's from my side, seeking after God. So when I fall into weariness, when I fall into despair or discouragement, right? We've had quite a few guys die this year. Some men that I've known for over, over 10 years. I had a man, he was doing so, just incredibly well, and he OD'd just in a moment. He went to, a, a, you know, and, and, you know, fentanyl took him out. My, I, I, I came back from Arizona recently, and uh, my uncle asked me, you know, my, my aunts and uncles, they're so wise, and I'm so stupid. My uncle says to me, do you think, do you, think you might be discouraged? And I said, oh, I don't know, I don't think so. And, uh, and then so I happened to share in that moment, I happened to share about this man who died. And he looked at me with a kind of a tilted head. And he's like, you don't think you're discouraged? <laughs> like, you got people dying on you that you've been investing in for 10 years and they die? You don't think that's discouraging? You don't think that's frustrating? You don't think that's a weight? You don't think the, holy, the, 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 the enemy and your flesh are, are being dragged down? You need a revelation that will drive you beyond that, that will drive you through that. I'm not going to finish the scripture. All of God's ministers should have a, listen now, all of God's ministers should have a clear and heavenly insight into those that are called to serve. Paul's ministry came from a place of deep, prolonged, and continual prayer. My ministry must come from the same place. It must come from a place of deep, prolonged, and continual prayer. To not do so is to lose the heavenly manna of Christ for those I'm serving. It means they're being poorly fed. Ministers, what are you feeding your people? Did you get it today? Because that's what manna is, amen? Yesterday's manna, it's, it's got worms in it. Have you spent continual, prolonged time seeking after God for those that were called to serve? Is it fresh? I, if I don't do this, if I don't have a continued revelation, I will become stale in my own calling. I will lose heart. I will become weary. I will be complaining. I will become accusatory. And I will withdraw. Listen to them again, because the Lord spoke them to me. (laughs) I will become weary, complaining, accusatory, and withdrawn. How's your ministry? The last thing I'm going to share with you. I know Pastor loves me. He loves me so much. He knows what I'm talking about. The last thing that missionaries are called to do is they're called to suffer. I have a sign-up sheet uh, when I'm done, and it says, uh, those who want to suffer for Christ is at the top, right? It's a sign-up sheet for the suffering of Christ, to fill up his sufferings. So I'll have it and hand it out. If you want to join me, I'll be over on the side, and you can come over and we'll all sign up together to fill up the sufferings of Christ, all right? I know you'll all be there. The line will go out the door, amen? Filling up the sufferings. Paul was called to suffer. Jesus told Paul that he must suffer. 
It wasn't optional. It was, Jesus didn't say Paul may suffer. He said he must suffer. Oh. Paul told, uh, Jesus told Paul that he would suffer in advance, in advance of his being sent. This, I believe, is common to missionaries, to all, all missions work specifically, but to all of us as believers. Don't, uh, you know, Pastor and I, we had just a little exchange on this, right, because he asked what I was going to share uh, on this yesterday at worship practice. And, and brothers and sisters, don't fall prey to this idea that the Christian goal is to live a sufferless life. Lay hold of the reality that it's the suffering of Christ that reveals Christ to you. It's the suffering that imparts Christ to you. You encounter Jesus when you suffer. Suffering drives the exchange of old to new, of from flesh to spirit. The byproduct of suffering, uh, oh, so the last thing I want to say here relative to being a missionary and suffering. The byproduct of suffering is from the opposition of Satan, the world, and my flesh, specifically against the sending population. Now, what do I mean by that? Let me just try to rephrase that because I know it's kind of clumsy. The suffering that, that we very much endure as missionaries has to do with the, the, the enemy strategically and specifically setting himself against us because he wants to destroy the vision and call. No, he wants to destroy the connection between the vision that God has given me by my previous seeking and the people that I'm serving. And so what will happen is the people that I'm serving will be used to oppose me. Look at the life of Paul. Paul went in to preach the gospel. Churches were raised up. Read the book of Corinthians, amen? Just read 2 Corinthians and let's see how the Corinthians were doing. Paul says, hey, the more I love you, the less you love me. What's going on here? I'm loving you. I'm giving myself, pouring myself out more and more. And, and you're, this is how, you know, kind of, this is how you repay me. This is how you treat me. So the enemy will very strategically use those that we're serving against us. Listen to some of the things that were the scriptures that we have on suffering. And then we're going to, well, you know, I'm done. This is out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 9 to 16. Now, I'm bringing it right back to my first page. Everywhere God has placed us, husband, wife, children, job, church, everywhere God has placed us, we're going to suffer. Everywhere you're going to suffer. Listen to what Paul says. I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death. Because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. I pause for a moment because the Lord spoke this to my own heart and he put it right back in my heart again. You need to understand something, and this is all I'm going to say. My wife... My, my marriage 
my wife has ministered to me because God gave her a vision of me. And in much of our life, the things that my wife chose to do would have, been, would have made her a spectacle to the world. You see, the world says, what are you doing? You just need to, you just need to end it. Just end it, right? Just end it. This, look at this guy. He's, not, he's never changing. He, he's the same. And the world looks at people who stay, who commit, who endure, who suffer. Right? People spoke to Paul that way. He said, what are you doing? Right? They tried to discourage him from going to Jerusalem when, in fact, Paul knew he had to. Right? I'll, 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 maybe I'll try to throw that one in before, I, before I'm done. So, are you hearing what I'm saying? I know it's deep. We're going to be a spectacle. The things that, that we're called to do, the suffering, right? He says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you uh, are, are prudent. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. To this hour, we are hungry and thirsty, poor, clothed, roughly treated, homeless. We toil, we work with our hands, we're reviled. And when we're reviled, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure. When we're slandered, we conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. I don't write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For even though you have countless tutors or teachers in Christ, you have not many fathers. For in Christ I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you, be an imitator of me. May you just take those words and apply them to your place. Whatever your place is, whatever the call is, wherever it is, apply yourself to that. And be ready to say, be an imitator of me. You can't draw back, brothers and sisters. It is not permissible. Hebrews says we are not of those who draw back to perdition. If many man draws back, my soul takes no pleasure in him. And you well know, brothers and sisters, because I'm just going to, uh, just going to move right to closing because I know that's what, you know, we need to, but you know there are calls. There are people in this room right now. You're not walking in the call. You're not walking it out. Somehow the enemy has got a, got your number. You're discouraged. You're weary. You're tired. You're bitter. You're accusatory. You're frustrated. You got to get back. You got to understand. You're chosen. You were chosen. That should change you. That can refresh you. Refresh yourself in being chosen. I'm just closing right now. Are you ready to be refreshed in your choosing? You've been chosen. Don't let anyone else define you. You were chosen by God. Amen. Who does God choose? And who says? Who gets to come and say, well, yeah, I know you say God chose you, but no one gets to do that. You were chosen. You, 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 you need to have a revelation. 
Maybe God's given you a revelation. Maybe he's given you a vision of something. But because you didn't keep it fresh, because your relationship, your, something came in, right? The enemy came in and he began to, to just infiltrate with these little foxes that spoil the vine. The enemy came in and began to just whittle away, just chip away at your, your fortitude, at your vision. At, and, and, and suddenly uh, you began to move, right? You just began to draw back. You just began to draw back a little bit by little bit. I identify with this, saints. I'm telling you. Some of you, you need to, you need to repent of that. You got to just own it. Don't be, don't be ashamed. Just repent. Just, just say, Lord, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. I've lost it. I'm, I'm not where I should be. I'm just not where I should be. It's okay. It's all right. Just tell God like it is. Put it all on the table. Amen. I mean, if, if, if this morning represented nothing, if this worship of this morning represented nothing, that's what I sensed in my own spirit was the glory of exchange. Right? Just the glory of just, just realizing, my God, he's here. He knows me. He's chosen me. He's showing me things. Get renewed in your vision. Get before God. Take some time, brothers and sisters. Get before God. Let him speak to you. Let him show you. And you better put the devil on notice, amen? When that vision comes back to you, you better tell Satan, I'm done with you. I'm not following that. I'm not about that. I don't care if I see it. I don't care if I see it for five years. I'm waiting. I know. I know in whom I have believed, and I know he's able. And the last thing we need to do is we need to embrace the suffering. Embrace the suffering. Suffering should always produce something. Always. It will always produce life. Because it's, it's, the, it's the increase of the presence of Christ in your life. So you can't draw back from suffering. You cannot. So that's my offer to you. Chosen, vision, revelation, suffering. How's that for a close? (laughs) But if if we'll receive it. We're living in a day, brothers and sisters, where our whole life, and I'm not saying, I'm not judging you. I don't know you. I only know me. Our whole life, has to be about the person of Jesus Christ. We have to get a refreshed vision of the day and the hour we're living in. All right? You just have to. We have to. And we have to get aggressive about dealing with the hard thing. Don't just stay with the easy thing. Some of us, we, we take that hard thing, we shove it in a closet, and it's knocking, trying to get out, right? The light of Jesus is trying to get to it. And we're like, you're not coming out of that closet. You're staying in there forever. I'm never going to deal with you. <laughs> Can anyone say amen? <laughs> I'm never going to deal with you. I'm never going to face you. You just stay and you keep quiet. And in, and, but in our hearts, it's screaming, right? Just, oh, I need some Jesus. I need the light of Christ in me. Let's just, can I alter, can I, can I alter now? Can we do that? Let's just, let's just stand. If that's you, I need the light of Christ. Let's just stand and invite him in. Amen. Let's just accept this.
Let's just walk well in this. So, Pastor, you want to come up and... Yeah, amen. All right, I'll do that. Thank you, Lord. First of all, thank you, Doug, for sharing a good word this morning. It was a a deep word, and we appreciate that. Uh, As far as some ministers that aren't honest, I hope that has never taken place here. I mean, that's uh, a very special calling to, as you're saying, to be a minister of the gospel. May we be clean and holy before the Lord. So, uh, James, maybe you have some instrumental music since our keyboardist is up here. Uh, but I want to I close out with uh, an opportunity for you to pray. Have someone, have Doug or myself pray for you before you go home today. Were you serious about a sign-up sheet for suffering? <laughs> <laughs> we should do that one day. Amen. Hey. I don't know if we'd have any takers, but we should maybe try. So um, every head bowed for just a moment. Let me Thank just uh, kind of wrap this up. Let me, let me just say a few things, and you can just raise your hand so I know that somebody's got me here, got, got Brother Doug. Does anyone understand the, the fact about having a revelation? Just raise your hand. And now, do we all understand that in order to get the revelation, we have to spend some time with God, the revealer of our thoughts and intents? You know, the Word and, and the Lord is very special, very important. And so... Do we understand that sometimes we're not where we should be because we don't have that revelation? Yeah. We're so tied up in the things of the world, worry and maybe sin, maybe not sin, but just worry. And does everyone get the point where you don't have to be a, like a pastor to be a minister, right? We're all ministers. I was a minister way before I was a pastor. That's right. My ministry was my wife, my kids, my family at home, whatever, my job. That was my little place of ministry. My job was an important place of ministry, which incidentally was in a prison before I got into the the ministry ministry. But does everyone understand you have a ministry, whatever you're doing, you have a ministry and a calling. So I guess the altar call right now would be for if there's anybody here, the first of all, let's go to the beginning. Does, is there anyone here today that does not have a revelation because you're not even walking with God? You're not, you haven't even accepted Christ into your life. Yeah. So the first call is, does anyone need to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior? Raise your hand if that's you. I need Jesus today. Okay, so no one's raising their hand. Anyone on, on the live stream, write down a comment. We'll get back to you later. So on that note, is there anyone here that feels like in your heart of hearts, you have received Christ, but because of life, you're not where you should be, and you're not seeing things through the spiritual lens that the Lord is calling us to do. Anyone like that? In other words, we need a fresh revelation. How many need a fresh revelation? Yeah. Okay, great. And the the final question is, and I wanted to throw this in, something that has personally really, really, really helped me a lot with all of this. As you know, praying early in the morning, started it at the end of June, I think it was, 
And I think there's 35 or 36 people that said, yes, you're going to do it with me wherever you might be. I will guarantee you, if you would do that, you will have a new revelation. Just by being obedient to the call to pray and to spend the first fruit of your day with the Lord. So is there anyone that would like to join me with that every morning? You won't see me. No live stream, no Zoom, no phone call, nothing. Just in your place of where you live or where you are, just take time to pray, and I'll be doing the same thing. Let's say between 6 and 7.30 a.m. every morning. Well, whatever, whatever you could do. Anyone want to join me with that that hasn't said so? All right. Okay, I'm going to, Doug, why don't you go down on the floor? I'm going to, I'm going to pray. And if you need to have prayer, please have, have Brother Doug pray with you. I'll, I'll be down here in a minute, but let me pray. If you've got to go after this, please quietly go to the cafe or out the door and be respectful of those here at the altar, okay? Dear Father, Lord, thank you for a good day. Thank you for a word that, that is potentially a life-changing word if we allow it to penetrate into our heart and spirit and soul. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit of God, that called Paul and revealed your will to Paul's life, let that same Spirit of God minister to each and every one of us. Lord, whatever our calling is, whatever our ministry is, it may be our spouse, it may be our kids, it may be our parents, it may be our co-workers, it may be friends in the neighborhood, whatever. Whatever our calling is, let us see it as a real ministry. We need to be enlightened by your Holy Spirit. So, Father, as we conclude this service today, thank you for, for exactly what we're talking about. This is a revelation. The Word is a revelation. You revealed something to us today. We pray, Lord, as we wrap this up, that there will be an altar time and there will be time to pray and seek your face. May everyone sense the call of God upon our lives to be ministers of this gospel Maybe, not, maybe, maybe around the world, but maybe around the corner. Let us carry the light and love of Christ as we go forward today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. So if anyone needs prayer, come on up and we'll pray for you. If uh, you need to go, God bless you. Go quietly.